Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. I'm going to talk to you today about being separate uh, from the world. Very simple message, but very important. I, I felt this word coming on me. Could I get someone come up here and move this back about five feet, please? I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just feeling very uncomfortable this morning. Feeling a little claustrophobic. Uh, so if I can get someone to do that for me. So several, several weeks ago, I felt, I felt this coming on me, the need to talk about being separate uh, from the world. We've been talking about gifts. We've been talking about being priest. We've been talking about being used by God. And all that is wonderful messages. And all that is great and applicable and needed and very important. And it's something that God is trying to do in his people. God is not just here at Westside, but across the land. God is trying to get people to realize that they are called, their purpose, they have gifts, they are priests and they are needed in this world. What I'm going to talk about today is a very important message that goes in association with what we've been discussing over the last couple of few months. Because I can preach to you till I'm blue in the face about your gifts, about God's promises, about you being called, about you being priest. But if this message today is not applied, then everything else that we talked about is going to be void or it's going to be very weak. So when you look at God and you begin to study God, and you begin to study his creation, how he created life and how he has worked throughout history, you come across a very common, common theme, common work from God and it's the work of separation. In all forms of what he has done and what he is doing, you cannot help but to see an order or a way, an intentional effort for there to be separation. Let's just look at several of these real briefly. We see a separation of seasons. We have summer, we have fall, we have winter. We have spring. We see that separation that occurs so that one season can do what God intended it to do in the time in which it is in. From the beginning of time, we see a separation between land and a separation between water. We see a separation between a less light and a greater light. The less light being the moon and the stars, the greater light being the sun. We see a separation between Eden. We see we have the Garden of Eden, we have the Land of Eden, and we have the land that surrounds Eden and the Garden of Eden. And there is distinct reasons why there were separations for that. 
When you look at the temple, we see temple separations. We have the outer court. We have the inner court. We have the, 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 the most holy place. And each degree of separation was purposely done by God for a, for a variety of efforts and reasons on his part and worship. We see that when God anointed an, an item or a person, that it was separated. It was not allowed just to be a part, general items or general population. The Bible says in the Old Testament that they were not to so take new cloth and sew it together with old cloth. There was a separation between the new and the old. The Bible says you cannot take new wineskin and pour it into old wineskins because the violent process of fermentation of wine will destroy the old wineskin. Again, a separation between old and new, between depth and shallow spirituality. We see the separation between male and female. And as we know, and most of us agree in this church, there is a difference between a man and a woman, a difference in body parts, a difference in capabilities, and a difference between roles from God. There is a separation. We see a separation in the three different types of disciples. You had the 120 disciples that loved Jesus. You had the 70 disciples that loved Jesus. You had the 12 disciples that loved Jesus. And you had the three disciples that loved Jesus. You see distinct levels of separation in the disciples of Jesus. And all this was organized and orchestrated. You see what we're going to talk about today, where God is telling his children to be separate from the world. And we see a separation in what happens in eternity. Not everybody goes to heaven. There is a separation between life and what the Bible calls the second death, which is the lake of fire. And within those two, within those two systems, there is separation. The Bible teaches of three levels of heaven. The Bible teaches of Gihana, which is a multi-leveled form of, of, of hell. God is all about separations. Why? Why the separations? Because not everything flows and works together. There is a reason there is a greater light and a lesser light. There is a reason there is a heaven and a hell. There is a reason you have three or four different types of disciples. There is a reason you have anointed items and just average items within ministry or within worship. And if you really dive into it, God has purpose and intention for every single item that I just listed. But if there was not a separation of what I just listed, the items that he created and ordained could not do what they were called to do. Without, if the sun was shining when the moon would come up, there would be an issue. If we did not have the separations of seasons, there would be an issue. If there was not a separation between land and water, there would be an issue. If there was not a difference between male and female, there will be an issue. So just as God 
ordained and created all these items. He specifically created and ordained the separation of these items or these things or these processes so that each thing could fulfill what God has called it to fulfill or created it to fulfill. So God has a directive for his people. He has many directives for his people. But in the context of what we're talking about today, he has a distinct directive for his people. And it's to be separate from the world. In the world, but separate from the world. A part of the world, but not the same as the world. When I say the world, what do we mean? In very short form, without going into details, it simply means the ways in life that opposes God's way. Any function, any action, anything in life, that opposes God's word, God's way, God's will, is a part of a system that the Bible calls the world. Now, when I'm, when we're, a lot of you know this, some of you may not, so I know this is somewhat elementary, but when, you, when the Bible talks about the world, it's not talking about the earth. It's talking about a system that is anti-Christ, anti-God, and a verse that we're going to read here in, in, in a short bit, it describes it as full of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So it's this system, it's these processes, it's these choices and these actions that opposes God's will and God's way. In short form, that is the world. And it is a directive from God throughout Scripture for his people to be separate, to be set aside from the systems, the processes, and the actions that are different, that oppose God's way and God's word. So I want us to look at four areas of separation this morning and why. So the first one is personal actions and lifestyle. I have verses to go along with each of these. Romans 12, 1, 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And this is the kicker right here. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Why? Why should some of our choices, why should some of the lifestyle choices we make or can make be separate, be different than what the world pushes because number one, these actions and these lifestyles opposes God's word. 
Number two is they hinder or they disable God's promises for us. We have to realize living in the world, associating with the world, making choices that is of the world, lessens and even completely prevents us from experiencing the promises of God in our life. The promises of peace, the promises of joy, to a degree, promises of salvation, the promises of healing, the promises of prosperity. We can go on and on and on about how Actions and choices that are worldly, that are based off the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, they hinder and or they prevent the promises of God from being a part of our lives. Here's what I found. <laughs> what did she find? Oh, I'm not going to read what she just found. That's not a nice word. I don't know why I said that. That is not a word you would say ever in church. Well, she does not need to be conformed to this world, but she needs to be transformed by the renewing of her mind. <laughs> well, I hate these things sometimes. <laughs> anyway, personal actions and lifestyle they also prevent God's purpose for our life. You can't be living as the world would have you to live and expect you're going to fulfill God's purpose for your life. I might, you, you might feel a part of it. You, you might experience some of it. But the totality of it, you know, the meat and eggs of it, the power of it, just, it, just, it just won't happen because God and the world are totally separate. He has his ways and the world has its ways. And the world is governed by the work of Satan. Even through the redemption of Christ, if you look at the world, Look at the majority of what happens in the world. You will see that it is governed, it is influenced, it is controlled by the work of Satan, not the work of Jesus. Number two is interacting with the world. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, 14 through 16 says, Do not be un unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship <clears throat> has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? That is uh, a form of, of Satan. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Now, I have a little disclaimer here. I personally feel I can't tell you who not to be involved with. That is not my business. But I feel like I should tell you, well, that's between you and God, but I, I do feel like I should tell you 
who you are involved, you should take deep considerations with who you are involved with. This verse is talking about people that is at the opposite end of our faith. Lawlessness instead of righteousness. Unbeliever instead of believer. Idol instead of temple worship to God. The Bible teaches us that there are certain types of people and there are certain types of people that does certain types of things. And I taught on this a few months ago on a Wednesday night. That those people should not be a part of our life. We should not be intimate with them. We should not be closely connected with them. That they are people that does not benefit us in our walk with God or, our journey of, or on our journey of faith. Now, Why? influence. If you are deeply connected with someone, I don't care who they are, whether they are the stronger or the weak one. Usually, you know, in a relationship you have stronger and you have weaker. They will influence you no matter what. For some people, being involved in certain types of relationships can cause you to be led astray. In other words, led away from God. Led away from your relationship with him. Led away from what he has for your life. Led away from his word in you. For some people, you might be involved in a relationship, a friendship, a connection that you have no support for your faith. They don't support you coming to church. They don't support you when you're struggling. They don't support you when you need an answer from God, when you're trying to seek out wisdom, knowledge, and understanding for something big in your life. And sometimes these relationships can create relational issues because you are at the polar opposite of what really matters in your life. Sometimes we have to make the hard decision to separate ourselves from people that we might have been deeply connected with because our relationship with God is more important than our relationship with them. Again, I cannot tell you who you can and or who you shouldn't be associated with. I, I, I'm not going to step on that, that sheet of thin ice. But repeating myself, if you are, and I'm not talking about marriage, and, and it, it, everything changes in marriage. You don't go divorce someone just because they're an unbeliever. You got yourself into that. You got to figure out how to live in that. If you, if, to be very honest with you, Bible's just, I mean, I just read it to you. It, it, it says for you not to be unequally yoked. That's dangerous territory to marry someone that is an unbeliever. Dangerous territory. But if you do that, you're in it. And you just got to deal with it. So don't you take my words and, and, and say, hey, the pastor's telling me to get a divorce. Uh-uh. Homie ain't saying that. I'm not saying that. 
You just got to work it out. You just got to work it out. That's God's will is for you to work it out. Amen? But what I am saying, if you're not in that relationship, kind of relationship, and you have relations that is hammering heavy on you, that is not allowing you to grow in God, you just might need to separate yourself. I had to do it when I was a lot younger. When I really, when I really, as an older teenager, when I really honestly surrendered my life to God, I had to make some hard choices and separate myself from some people I loved. But those people that I loved was also people that loved evil and loved wicked. And they were part of the reason that I was all mixed up and I was involved in things and doing things that was absolutely 100% against God's will and God's way. And I had to separate myself because I realized the importance of doing what God had called me to do as opposed to maintaining these relationships. But that's between you and God. Can you say that? That's between me and God. I have an issue with the statement that says Jesus was friends with sinners. Because I don't believe that. We see Jesus spend time with sinners for the sake of ministry, but we do not see Jesus being intimate with sinners. You, you, you don't see it. And so this theory and this idea that Jesus was a friend of sinners, no, the Bible strictly teaches, and I could go with you verse by verse, but I'm not going to. The Bible strictly teaches to separate yourself from people in the world. And if the Bible teaches you to separate yourself, how are we going to sing about, talk about, teach about, preach about our Savior is socially, uh, uh, is intimately connected with people in the world? Don't work that way. No, if you really study his life out, the people he was intimate with was people that was hungry for God. They were on the same page. Well, he was quite a bit above their level. But they were God lovers. And they all had issues, so I'm not saying don't, not to be connected with people who has issues. My God, look at yourself in the mirror. You got issues. Can I get an amen? Don't act all self-righteous. You got issues. I've got issues. But guess what? My heart is to love God. My heart is to walk with God. My heart is to be used by God. My heart is to say no to the world. Even though we've, so even though we've got issues, so sometimes you have to examine somebody's heart. You don't just walk away from someone because they got issues. Because, baby, you got issues. Woman, you got issues. God's given me a grace to endure them. I'm only kidding. I, I saw an open opportunity. I want to put a smile on some of your faces. This is a serious mess. No, she could turn around and say, man, you got issues. Who just said, yeah? Well, you better shut your face. Who someone said, yeah? You don't know me. I was Cain. Cain, did you say, yeah? No. Oh, I saw, oh, 
Oh, okay. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. All right, number three. This is going to, you know, none of these topics are easy. And I know this isn't a happy message, but I'm just obeying the Lord. Number three is watching and listening to what the world creates. This is not an easy... Our society has become a a, a society uh, that has evolved around not doing but watching. And it's sad to say the junk that they put out there for us to watch is so anti-God, it's ridiculous. Now let me kind of pull out some personal personal experiences before we jump into the scripture of this. I have seen my whole life, my family, different members of my family, not everybody, choose not to watch or listen uh, to certain things that come from the world. Most specifically, I'm speaking of my dad and my granddad. Those are my two heroes of the faith. It's my dad and my granddad, and it's because of the lifestyle that I witnessed growing up. And both of them, on a regular basis, whether it be a TV show or watching a movie, absolutely, you know, would turn stuff off, would reject stuff, would say no to stuff, even though it was a popular show. I mean, I remember time and time again, you know, back in the day, now some of you won't remember this, but back in the day, they used to have stores that you would go and rent these six-inch by four-inch videotapes called blockbuster movies. You guys remember? Some, some of you will remember that. And you, you really didn't know what the movie was about except for the write-up on the back, and the write-up can make it look, you know, dandy, but then you get home and you put it in the box, and you're like, whoa, the write-up didn't say this. And I cannot tell you how many times my parents, my parents probably spent hundreds of dollars, uh, wasted hundreds of dollars because they would rent a movie or we would have a night of movies. And after 15, 20 minutes in, my dad would just turn that thing off. I have witnessed this my whole life. For me, it was a gradual process. Uh, Even after, you know, I was serious unto the Lord, I, I, I... I did things different than my dad or my granddad. But this is what I began to experience. The more I grew in God and the more I surrendered my life to God, the more I would not watch or listen to things that opposed God. So the more I grew in God, the more serious I came about my relationship to him, the more I would see things and realize that's just not cool. And it's not because because I didn't like it. Now, for me, it, it has to do more with the area of music than movies. I'm really not a movie person, uh, but I am definitely a music person, and I listen, and I like all genres, most uh, genres of music. And I have to be very careful, because I could be duped into listening and enjoying and even singing a song, and I have to really pay attention to the lyrics. I'm like, oh, they're talking about cheating on their wife. Oh, I can't listen to this. It's ridiculous. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten to a blues song because I'm really a, a blues lover. I study blues music. I follow blues music. I know, I, I, I know it. I was born into it. And there, I cannot tell you how many times I'm, I'm, I'm going down the road and got a good blues tune just, just going and it's rocking and it's like a super cool. I'm enjoying it. All of a sudden, I hear the guy talking about his, 
his, his, he likes his mistress and he likes his wife. And I'm like, what? The beat was great. The guitar solo was awesome. But you lost me when you said you liked your mistress and your wife. I'm like, come on. So for me, I'm, boop, I had to hit the button. Because for me, I just don't open, I don't allow stuff like that into my mind, into my heart. It hasn't always been that way. Like I said, I grew into that. Now, we all will function on different levels. Like me and Koa, we will watch an action movie that Lorana will not even take a glance at, or a thriller movie. Like for her, it bothers her. She don't like it, cannot stand maybe some of the verbiage that they use in these action movies. She's, she, she's like, I don't want nothing to do with that. Me and Koa, we're like, yeah, kill him, shoot him up, take down the bad guy, right? So we all function on different levels in this area. I can't tell you not to live, I can't tell you to be like me, and you better not tell me to be like you. I'll tell you to hit the road, Jack. But it's really important that we are sensitive to the Spirit about what we watch and what we listen to. Because we are putting this stuff in us. Worldliness. Whether it be songs, whether it be music, or movies, Instagram accounts, Facebook profiles, TikToks, all the social media platforms, it's so important that we are careful with what we put in us because it will affect us. It will harm us. It will hinder our spirit in the context of our relationship with God. Now, Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The things that oppose God with what we could watch or what we could listen to would not fit in this category of the verse I just read. And I would encourage you to go home and read it and think about it. Philippians 4.8. Why? Why is this an issue? Repeating myself, it is seed planted in our souls and it will produce a growth. And there's three types of growths that what we listen to and watch we, what we watch will produce. Either weeds, it's just junk in our life. Just junk. It just overcrowds our life. It doesn't do us any good. But it does keep away peace. Have you ever had a grass that just had a bunch of weeds in it? It wasn't really hurting anything. But it was just ugly. It was nasty. It was a pain in the butt. It looked bad. So... If we're not careful, these things can create weeds in us. Secondly, they could create thorns in us. What is thorns? Thorns in Scripture is things that choke out, that keeps the Word of God from growing in us. So you, you could come to church on Sunday. I could, you can hear a, an amazing word and an awesome, an awesome word from a great preacher. Go home. Cut on the TV and watch something that produces a thorn in your life, and those thorns could just completely overtake, entrap, 
the word that you just heard uh, in church. And then the next one is fruit. Fruit from what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable, what is praiseworthy, what is excellent, and the list goes on. So it's really important, and, and you know, I have a personal opinion that one of the issues, one of the reasons why as Christians we have become weak, and the church is weak today. I, I, that's my opinion, but I, I, I believe the church is weak today, uh, especially compared to 50 years ago. I personally believe one of the reasons churches is weak today is because of what they've allowed their eyes to see and their ears to hear on a regular basis. They've allowed weeds to grow. They've allowed thorns to develop. And therefore, they have hindered, prevented, and even stopped the move of God from operating in their lives or operating in their church. Because there's not enough room for the power of God's word to manifest. They got all these weeds and they got all these thorns that is a byproduct of seeing and hearing creations of the world. If you really think about it, I learned this. It really, you know, when you turn something off, it really doesn't matter. That sitcom really doesn't matter. That movie, it really doesn't matter. That Instagram account, really doesn't matter. And when you turn something off or you stop listening to something, in the grand scheme of life, in the grand scheme of your relationship and purpose from God, man, they just don't matter. So why do we get so caught up and so controlled, influenced by junk that just really doesn't matter? just doesn't matter. I shared with you guys a couple years ago that, you know what, the Lord, I was watching a series and the Lord gave me a dream that this series is an entrapment from Satan for you. And then the, the dream had dog food in it with the, with the viper. And then, and then, you know, I woke up and because there was dog food in this dream, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. He's like, uh, you know, Basically, why are you eating dog food? And I immediately, because I went to bed watching uh, this particular series, and I immediately, this was like 3 o'clock in the morning, I knew what, what God was saying to me, what he was, what he was doing. He's like, hey, you just need to start watching that. You're eating dog food. When you can be having filet mignon, son. It just don't matter. And I never watched that show again. And it just doesn't matter. The last one, be quick, is desiring the world. Let me read you a scripture. 1 John 2, 15-17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Let me read you another verse that goes along with this statement here. You cannot serve two masters. 
Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. The world portrays things in a way that, causes, that could cause us to really want to be involved, not, not miss out. I mean, there's so many things that, that really, you know, the Bible teaches us not to do that the world packages it in a way that seems so enticing, so enjoyable, so pleasurable, so much fun. And it's important, it's really another reason we should really watch what we, what we watch and what we listen to so that we don't, we don't get enticed. But it can, we can easily fall prey to a desire for the world. And it's so, so important that we recognize truth. For me, when, more so in my past uh, than, than now, and I can honestly say that, that for me, it always took me examining things by truth, because I'm a skeptic out by nature. I, I, I relate to doubting Thomas way more than I relate to Peter. I, I need to see it. I need to feel it. I need to touch it. Uh, and, and through God's grace, he has worked with me over the years with that. So for me, whenever I was enticed or I wanted to be involved, I had to take a really close examination of, of, uh, of truth. I had to look at the issue or the thing through the lens of knowledge and understanding. So I had to really examine, okay, there's, there's this thing. I want to be a part of, or I am being enticed to do. What's the reality of this thing? Because the world makes it look like this. But what is the reality of this thing? And I had to dive into the reality of what this thing really was and how the reality of this whatever is harmful, is hurtful, does me no good, does my relationships no good, doesn't do my relationship with God any, any good, doesn't do my peace any good, doesn't do my joy any good, yet might be fun for a moment or a season. And I had to really look through the lens of reality and then examine it through the lens of biblical truth. And because I can honestly say that I have a heart for God, I literally, with all my heart, I want to please Him. Because I have that heart to, that, that loves God and wants to please Him, whenever I saw the reality of what I was being enticed to do, watch, listen, whatever, when I saw the reality of that, and then I saw the reality of God's truth, what it did for me, it helped me to say, no, I don't need that. I don't want that. Yet, that might be fun initially. Yet, that might be cool initially. Yet, that might be something that, that, would, that, that would be a pleasure initially. But the reality is this is going to mess me up. The reality is there is a potential it's going to mess my job up. It's going to mess my marriage up. There's a potential that it can completely derange my life. And so, 
no thank you. It doesn't mean the feeling goes away. When, you, when you're enticed, you're enticed. Have you ever noticed just because you say no doesn't mean the feeling goes away? Come on, are you breathing? Let's be real. The feeling doesn't go away. Now, it eventually goes away, but initially it does not go away. And so what do we have to do when that feeling is still there? Even when you see the truth, even when you've done a reality check and you looked at it through the lens of knowledge and understanding, you, the, what the Bible says, how the Bible lays, labels it, is you simply crucify the flesh. You die to it. It doesn't matter. You might want it. It doesn't matter. You might want to taste it. You might want to feel it. You might want to see it. You might want to be involved in it. You have to crucify the flesh and die to that part of you that loves that area of the world because the Bible says the truth will set you free, not the world. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. And when you want to do something, you want to do something. And we live in an environment, we live in a world that, wants, that, that, that says we should accommodate any and everything we want. As long as it's not hurting somebody. But what we don't know, oftentimes the sins we're enticed with doesn't hurt anybody then. They will hurt somebody later. We just have to die. But another just straight up reality is if you're really not into God, what I'm talking about today is very hard to accommodate. Really is. If I really didn't have a heart for God, I, ooh. When I was in school, I wanted to go get high with my friends. When I worked secular jobs, I wanted to go to the bar with the boys. There was things in my flesh I would want to watch and I would want to see and I would want to participate in. And if it wasn't for God, my heart and my desire for God, that temptation to get high could have sucked me in. That desire to go hang with the boys and and drink and become intoxicated would have most likely sucked me in. Those times I wanted to fight would have sucked me in. Why does the Bible say the, great, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? Because when you love God with everything, doing the right thing becomes a lot easier. But when you're teeter-tottering, when you're lukewarm, when you're just kind of screwing around in church, you're, you're not really surrendered, you're not really committed. Saying no to things you really don't want to say no to becomes a whole lot harder. And the damage becomes more of a possibility.
As I was, uh, you know, at the end of our song service, I always go back there to put my mic on and I, I always have to kind of get my brain focused uh, on the message. <clears throat> and, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of dropped a couple of types of people here today that this message is, is for. The first one is, you know, there's some of you, uh, you're not taking your relationship serious enough. Not serious enough to the point that you haven't separated yourself from things in ways that you should separate yourself from. There's things in your life, thoughts, actions, choices, whatever, relationships, that you haven't separated yourself from simply because you're not serious enough about your relationship with God. You believe in God. that intimacy, that connection. You're really not on that page. The other one is, there's some people here, you need to go to the next level. And the only reason you haven't already gone or you're not going to the next level is there are some things in your life you're not separating yourself from. know what that is. I'm not here to say it or figure it out. You know what that is. For some of you, it's time to take your relationship with God seriously. For some others, it's time to go to the next level and allow God to create a separation between you some of the things that we talked about today. It's really important. Today can be <clears throat> your day of change. Change for you, change inside. A change of saying, okay, I'm gonna get serious. I'm surrendering my life to the Lord and saying, here I am, God. be a change of going to the next level being used by God blessed by God experiencing God on a totally on a totally different different level thanks so much for joining us we hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks 